0: Hello, and welcome to the London Node User Group podcast. Today I'm here with Aris, who is one of the founders of CityJS. He founded CityJS three years ago. Hello, Aris. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm very good, and you?
0: Very well, thank you. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about CityJS and why it's going to be particularly special this year?
1: Um, so CityJS is a community conference. Uh, like you said, I started CityJS three years ago. Uh, every, every year, uh, the first and second year, it was in a venue. This year, because of the coronavirus, um, we have uh, first decided to postpone it to September but then, uh, because of the situation, it didn't really change. Uh, we decided to, to make it online. Uh, but then we decided to extend it. And um, we initially had 11 speakers. And uh, we extended it to 31 speakers. Um, and um, we initially we had only one day of, um, of conference. But then we went to two days. Uh, we have speakers from uh, uh, all five continents: from uh, Singapore, uh, Australia, India, um, Nigeria. and uh, We have uh, from um, Europe and USA and Latin America. So basically, we are covering the whole um, uh, the whole world. A truly worldwide event, then. Uh, yes, a very truly wide world event, and the uh, speakers. Um, are very uh, big names like uh, Kyle Simpson, Michelle Westray, Dylan uh, Simon, uh, Matteo Colina, uh, Debbie from uh, NextJS. Uh, we have uh, we have uh, uh, even more more big names and big talks. Machine learning and uh, uh, NodeJS. I think we have a session about the future of NodeJS.
0: Oh, nice. Okay, so. How does, how does a conference work in a COVID-safe world? What, what, how did, it's obviously not in person, physically meeting. How, how's it all going to happen? I think you've got talks and workshops, haven't you?
1: So um, we have three different type of events. Um, we have uh, the talks. We have sessions that are uh, more like panel talks. Uh, in uh, one of those panel talks, we have um, uh, four um, steering group members of Node.js where they will be talking about the future of Node, and um, people can ask questions. Uh, We're using a platform called um, Remo. Uh, oh, Remo yeah. is like a virtual. Um, um, it creates like a virtual conference where everybody can see each other. It's uh, it has also chat rooms, but you can enable your camera and you can see each other.
0: That's the same platform we've been using for a few L recently, isn't it?
1: Yes, we were using it for uh, also for JS monthly the other the meetup that I'm running as well, and um, I gave a talk with in UT uh, That's where we met, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. So, so, so you're using Remo for the talks, and how how are the workshops? Are they through Remo as well, or will that be how will that work?
1: So, workshops are going to work with um, Zoom. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, it's the platform. It has a uh, much better capabilities of delivering the workshops. And most of our um, um, uh, workshop um, uh, instructors they prefer to use um, uh, Zoom. But um, uh, Remo is very good also for um, for just conference. But yeah, for. Um, for uh, the workshops that they are going to be eight, eight hours long, Zoom is going to be better for that.
0: Makes sense, makes sense. So h- how much does it cost to, to attend the conference? How, how, how much does it cost to, to do the workshops? What's the... How does it work?
1: So uh, so w- uh, conference, it's only £30. Um, we are using this uh, money for a lot of various reasons. Like, for example, uh, uh, a lot of the talks are going to be pre-recorded. And we have a a team that is going to prepare a lot of the talks. And we are also giving a lot of free tickets to um, countries like Kenya, Argentina, Colombia, um, uh, Nigeria, um, and a lot of other countries that uh, most of the time, people, they don't have the capability to buy a ticket and come to London. So we are expanding our community. So, um, a lot of the the money that we are um, we are making, we are giving them back to the community. So, and still the ticket is not uh, very very expensive. The the workshops on the other side, um, are eight hours long, and the people that they do, they spend a lot of time to prepare them. So these are, um, uh, for example, Matteo Colina. We have a 30 percent discount so you can get it for 280 pounds and uh, the rest cost about 400 but that's the same price we had before and um, the, all the workshops come with a free ticket for a, a private online event so it's already a big um, a big um, a big uh, discount and a big uh, bargain
0: and the 30 percent discount is that on the website already or do they have to have a code for that
1: and yes, the, there is a, a, it's a there is a code for that. Um,
0: okay. We'll see if we can get that in the show notes. You don't have to find that. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's fine.
0: Um, okay. And if people do want tickets, where should they go to? So How do they
1: go about getting them? Yeah, just on our website, ctjs.cdjsconf.org uh, slash uh, buy tickets.
0: Very good. Um, okay. And so we're going to go into a little bit more detail with some of the people running the workshops and the speakers. We're going to talk to them shortly um, so we can sort of go into a bit more of the content that they're going to be talking about. But as, as a general thing, what, what kind of thing do you expect people
1: to be coming away
0: from the conference with?
1: Um, there is a, so, many, there's so much variety uh, from the talks. Um, we cover all the aspects like TypeScript Uh, We have a lot of talks about how you can, uh, for example, Mateo is doing a talk about how you can accelerate uh, GraphQL. Um, The the panel talks, we have um, the future of Node, but we also have um, uh, have two talks about Dino. Uh, So we cover the current state of JavaScript plus the future state of JavaScript. And people should be able to just not not just to to get the um what's coming out of the talks. There is a lounge where you can see face to face with our speakers. You can speak to them. Um, so it's gonna be very much like any other conference, but you're gonna be at home and you don't have to to get coronavirus. So,
0: and you can be in your boxer shorts, I guess.
1: Yes. Or whatever underwear you choose to choose to wear. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's
0: that, that's really useful. Um, and I guess have if you if you've got a Twitter account and things people can follow you if they want to see what's going on? So, so Twitter you know,
1: account. It's uh, @cityjsconf. That's our our follow uh, Twitter account. Brilliant. All right. Um, I think we're
0: going to go over to some of your speakers now. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our dear listeners before you uh, you depart?
1: I have to say that we are also having some great uh, giveaways. For example, we're going to be giving to every attendee that buys a ticket or has a ticket a book of of, uh, Kyle Simpson. You don't know JavaScript yet. And we're going to be giving a lot of... um, We're going to have a lot of competitions um, from uh, our um, sponsors, Manning. We're going to be giving away 400 uh, e-books... So, it's a very good thing if you, if you make it.
0: Nice. I've got to ask you one more question before you go. Do you know what you're doing the year afterwards yet? Have you started planning that?
1: Uh, we, have a, we have the in-person, uh, uh, have in person conference. Okay. Yeah, Are you up to You in person? Yeah. You can buy a ticket for an early bird for that, and you okay. get a free ticket for our online event. So, it's a win win. Good stuff.
0: All right, Aris. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us, um, and we'll find out a little bit more about the conference from some of your speakers now. Thank you. Here with Matteo Colina, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about what you're going to be talking about at CityJS. Hey, Matteo, how are you doing?
2: Hi, Simon. Very good. I'm here in Italy and this enjoying the summer. It's uh, things are, you know, summer stands smooth, smoothly in overall. So I'm. You know, very, very happy and relaxed. Lot of good yes. things happening in tech and in my on the project that I am working on. So I'm very happy to share all of them with the CTJS crowd. Excellent.
0: So let's let's kick off straight with um, what you're going to be talking about. CTS. I think you're doing a workshop and a talk. Is
2: that right? I'm doing both a workshop and a talk. I don't know why I signed up for both. Really, you know, <laughs> I, I'm I know I'm going to regret that quite a lot actually. So.
0: I'm sure people won't regret hearing what
2: you've got to say about this. So, so what are they, what's your workshop on? So the workshop, it's on uh, promises. So it's uh, between the old folks uh, and form, we have been working on Node since the very early beginning. And we had, after reviewing, I don't know, maybe 30, 50 code bases, maybe even 100, I don't know, really, I've lost count. I can say that if you're using promises, you're using them wrong. Like there is no no real chance of not making some mistakes or creating some side effects or creating some problems in your code base if you're using promises. When I mean using promises, I also mean using a sync await.
0: So, so, does that mean we shouldn't use promises? No, or we it's use fantastic. Them
2: fantastic. You just need to know what to look for and uh, uh, and how to avoid the pitfalls, and that's what I'm going to be covering in our workshop. Uh, excellent. So it's
0: going to come kind of be practical examples of when when to and when when bad to use. Yeah, absolutely.
2: No, so essentially, use them all the time. Use a sync weight all the time. Be careful on what to how to handle certain patterns that will cause problems so we will go we will show uh, uh, an example of code that is problematic and it's exhibiting certain problems and how to and we will we'll see in the workshop how to solve that and this is very very typically common on uh, on a lot of promises code bases you can move from creating uh, memory leaks to create uh, out of memory errors to create um, uh, certain execution problems, like uh, you know uh, CPU blocking and other things, just by using them, and you might not even notice. So it might seem the most normal thing for you.
0: So it's not even one particular problem we're going to be talking about; it's various different problems around it. Then.
2: Yeah, no, there's no specific problem around promises. Promises are great. The um, the problem with promises is that um, it's they work very well and uh, but that they are designed for a word of uh, of the brow for the word of a browser in in a browser, if you know if you have an error, you don't handle it, and if the application leak, well most tabs leaks, okay, there is some stat that thirty fifty percent of the web pages leaks memory, something like that. Um, people hardly notice because they don't stay too long for a website. If you are instead building an application that needs to run run for days, or you're building something on Node.js on a server, you need to be way more careful. And that's where a lot of problems came up. Yep,
0: that makes sense. And, and presumably, the way around it isn't
2: just to use callback everywhere.
0: You can end up in the same
2: problem. No, you know. yeah, no. Well, yes and no. So. To some extent, callbacks are easier because the default for callbacks is to hardly crash a project, uh, your process. While with currently with promises, you don't crash your project at least in Node.js. Um, but the the answer is not using callbacks either. So you can have similar problems with call, with callbacks as well. Um, it's probably harder because callbacks will. Uh, Doing certain things with callbacks will... So, uh, using Async Awaits makes things really easy to do. Which also means makes things really easy to screw up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. That sounds right.
2: Okay. Callbacks, instead, make things a little bit harder. And the, when you're doing bad things, it will actually be show very clearly in your callback that you're doing something that's not... You should not be doing that. So there is a more kind of emotional uh, feedback looking at the code and you will see the ugliness.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I, I'm going to leave the detail of this to your workshop. I think that, that, yes. that's the best thing to do. But just, there's, there's no hard and fast rule, I guess, you're using it in different situations. You still use callbacks, you use promises in other cases. And there's I, no, I, I would recommend point.
2: to use a sync await all the time. Okay, that's
0: interesting. But just use it properly.
2: But well, just use it. Least. Well, it just <laughs> use it properly and know what you're doing. Yeah. Which most devs don't.
0: Okay.
2: So most de- most developers in JavaScript in OJS have not dug deep dig deep into how the event loop works, you know, promises work, in you how async await fits into the promises lifecycle, and so on and so forth. So they w- they are very much surprised on a lot of things.
0: Yep.
2: Okay, that sounds very interesting.
0: Um I guess there you go to CJS. Website for the tickets for that,
2: do they? Hey, hopefully buy a ticket, guys.
0: <laughs> okay, and um, you also going to talk. What are you going to be talking about in your talk?
2: I'm going to talk about GraphQL. Uh, I, have, I came to GraphQL from a very different path. A lot of people come to GraphQL from the front end. Um, I came to GraphQL for completely different reasons. Uh, a few years back, uh, um, uh, we started seeing a lot of clients that started having huge performance issues uh, using uh, GraphQL with Node.js. Okay. And I have started, uh, together with my colleagues, we have started researching those and researching how to implement uh, a backend for GraphQL. So a backend implementation of GraphQL of a GraphQL server that could actually be fast, and uh, uh, at the same time provide all the features that will needed be needed for for uh, for a server. So uh, we started working uh, we started working on this, and now we have a, a GraphQL adapter for Fastify. Fastify is the web framework that I built. Uh, together with others uh, a few years back. So, uh, there is a, the project is called Fastify GQL, and I'm going to talk about it. Now, it's, um, there is also, note that this is, let me look, let me search the URL GraphQL Benchmark, GraphQL Server Benchmarks. It's uh, there is essentially those has been benchmarked by others, and it's probably one of the fastest implementation of GraphQL that you can have with JavaScript. It's uh, um, several times faster than, for example, Express GraphQL uh, or even Apollo. So. And, and is that just
0: fast in terms of the actual the routing and the, the, the sort of connecting the, in, on the node side of it? I assume it's not. You're not talking about caching on that sort of level, are you? Or how, how are you well, it does, performance also, performance it does. So it does
2: not cache thing? the results. It does not cache the results. What it yeah. caches internally, it it caches the uh, uh, the parsed AST of the queries. So the parsed abstract syntax tree of the queries. So it's and then it also implement use a library called GraphQL JIT to actually compile the I, the AST the abstract syntax tree into actual JavaScript, which is then is executed. So it's actually faster because of those.
0: So you've got the query and JavaScript ready. Is that kind of
2: yes? So that's okay. why it's fast.
0: Interesting. Do Do you go into sort of the um? The sort of the, the caching side of it, any more than that, or is it it's just all about making the queries fast and then if people it's just all that about
2: it. like the code, the it, whatever else you do, it's up to you. Okay. Um, it implements some facilities about uh, the uh, data loader pattern is embedded in there, okay? So, because if you don't implement data loader with GraphQL, you are essentially screwed so it's it's horrible and uh, you will have suffer so much from performance problems that you probably you you will die so you, your servers will die so uh, you need data load. if you're implementing uh, graphql you need the data loader pattern you need bulk que- and you need bulk queries
0: and, and data loader is doing caching it's just you're not doing the caching is that right so you, you well
2: have, data loader your... is not doing the caching at all data loader what data loader does it's uh, uh, um, Caches all the same queries in one single thing, and then it caches it for the length of the query itself. Um, so essentially it solves the 1 plus n problem. I have a really good video about this, so I'm going to put the link in here. Uh, yeah, and
0: then we can add it to the show notes afterwards, that would be, um, be very useful
2: so i'm going to here we go These are nice videos that i have um recorded during the lockdown so oh nice
0: we like lockdown videos that's very good and one of the things that i, I before i actually started playing with GraphQL, I, I kind of got the impression it was a sort of replacement for rest but that's not really the case is it the, the two things can sort of sit alongside each other sorry like, you got... can you repeat uh, just just GraphQL, at first I thought it was like GraphQL or REST, but GraphQL quite often sits in front of REST quite nicely, doesn't it?
2: Yes, uh, a lot of time it does, especially on uh, microservices architectures. So you typically deploy GraphQL for pro- to provide an easy-to-use um, API for developers on top. So normally, in most cases at least, you still want to implement your microservices uh, infrastructure.
0: Okay, I think, I think that makes me sense. So, so is this, some, are you using GraphQL yourself or is this something you've you just solved other people's GraphQL problems? Is, is, is this something you're using personally?
2: Oh, we have uh, we have this deployed in a few projects. So um, it's not that it's at NearForm. So I'm technical, uh, so sorry, I'm technical director at NearForm and we have this deployed and used in a few projects ourselves. So yes.
0: Excellent. Oh, that's
2: very interesting.
0: Um, I think that covers the main bits. Is there anything you particularly want to talk about your um, workshop or your talk that you want to mention on him? Um,
2: on the, uh, I can. So there is a few bits that are that can be probably be uh, um, expanded. It's um, inside in the workshop. One of the things that we're going to cover more is the event loop and how the node.js event loop works and uh, how a timeout is in the timer or a set immediate relates to a promise and relate to a next tick and uh, how it relates to for example ECMAScript modules you know maybe and a lot of those things so it's uh, it was a fun very fun experience for a lot of people so yeah I
0: guess I guess it's just worth just mentioning what your role with your role with Node is as well.
2: So it's uh, I project. am part of the technical steering committee of Node.js. We are the group that um, oversees the technical direction of the Node.js project. I'm mainly involved in the Streams group, but also HTTP, HTTP two, and so on and so forth.
1: So you've got some good experience. Uh, I I was
2: also very much involved into the diagnostics working group some time ago. Now I am uh, uh, out of it uh, mainly because uh, like time, unfortunately. So yeah.
0: Uh, is is there anything you're particularly looking forward to in future versions of Node?
2: So there is a, actually there is we are starting shipping uh, um, the new top level await since Node for fourteen dot Eight, I think we have uh, top-level await uh, available, which is a fantastic news. So I don't, if you don't know about top-level top, top level await, it means that you can start using await when you will, even if you use Node.js for scripting. So you don't need to create that as an async function to wrap it. You can just use await in your main entry point, which is great for demos and apps. So, hey, that's a great news.
0: That yeah, that, that would be nice to Make things a little bit easier, just to put together some amazing stuff. Oh, very nice. Um, I, I think that's the main bit I wanted to ask you about, test the, the one thing we've been doing as well is module of the month. Is there a module you can you can make it your own module or someone else's module? Is there a module you've been particularly enjoying using recently?
2: Oh, let me see. Okay, so I have a few actually. That's fine, so, That's fine. Let me see. I'm just showing you my f- favorite module, that is a tiny, tiny bit, tiny module that I've wrote, which I kind of use everywhere. And I'm going to pass it. It's called FastQ. Queue. Fast Queue is an in-process queuing module okay. that it provides. Uh, uh, it's very actually very very fast, very very low overhead, and it's essentially as fast as you can as you can get for this type of projects. Um, on top of that, it's. Uh, uh, it's actually downloaded quite a lot of time. Actually, it's uh, it's probably one of my. It's it's really it's got really popular. I was like very surprised how big this this has become. Yeah,
0: it's A good block The going up, isn't it? With the uh, uh, weekly well, yeah. yeah,
2: no, it's um, you know, it's it's about uh... whoa. It's about downloads per month. It's about 23 million downloads per month, which is completely outstanding. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's really, really tiny, tiny module. You probably don't even know this exists. It doesn't have a lot of people using it, to be honest, but it ended up being in some very uh, nested dependency chain of some very important module. So that's okay. actually a pretty cool thing.
0: Very nice. I shall right, so we'll have a look at that. That's. Uh, we'll also add a link in the show notes for anyone that's interested. All right, Mateo, thank you very much for joining us. Um, anything else you'd like to say before we sign off?
2: Uh, no, I think it's, uh, uh, that's all. And uh, it's, uh, that's been a great experience and I hope to see you all at, uh, um, CDJS.
0: Ah, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Teo, and um, thank you very much for all your work on Node.js as well.
2: Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.
0: I'm here with Debbie O'Brien, um, who's going to be talking about some bits of CDJS. Do you want to say what you're going to be talking about to start off with, Debbie?
1: Hey,
3: so that, That's a good question, actually, because um, what I'm going to be talking is about is about what's new in Nuxt, right, and, and the new things that we're going to uh, be releasing, but we haven't really released uh, some of the new stuff. So until the time comes, it's going to be like, kind of like a surprise, right? (laughs) So yeah. So it's a big
0: unveiling, is it?
3: Well, no, it's not a big unveiling, but it could be like a sneak peek to it. It depends on um, when we get things done and how close we are to actually uh, releasing or not. So um, we're obviously working on Nux 3. It depends on how soon and how close we are to it. So I'll talk a little bit about what Nux 3 involves. and maybe it might be out by then. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be close. It's kind of hard to say. And anything, oh, nice. else, anything else? new that we're going to release between now and the next um, and the next few weeks as well? So yeah,
0: sounds good. Do you, to, do you want to just give an introduction to our viewers about what Nuxt is and what what, what did you do with
3: it? Yeah, so Nuxt is a like it's like a, a framework that's on top of Vue. Um, so it's using Vue.js. So it's like if you're writing Vue, okay, but instead of just using Vue, you can use Nuxt. Why would you want to use Nuxt? For many reasons. Uh, Nuxt makes your life easier. So, for example, you don't have to, like... Um, uh, sorry. So you don't have to, like, um, create a router file, for example, uh, because we'll, like, create that automatically for you um, just by, like, putting a view file on a pages folder, right? And then it's automatically going to create this router.js file for you. You don't have to maintain it. You get code splitting for free, uh, critical CSS for free. You get so much out of the box. So it really does help you with uh, development. And then also you can deploy like a single page application, just like in view, but you can also deploy static sites or server side rendering. So, and you can switch from one to the other as well. So you could start off with a single page application and then decide, no, you know what I'm, I'm going to do this with static site and you just change one thing in the config, and you've got a static site. So it's very, very cool. Nice. It's a great developer experience and yeah, it's just fantastic.
0: Okay. So is it is it kind of just, does it give you the patterns and things for how to use view? It, it, it sort of sets you up for the things in the first place. Is that the kind of layer it is on top of view, or does it do more than that?
3: Yeah. So obviously you're using Vue. So you're still going to be doing like the V4 as you would in Vue, your methods, computer properties, all that, just like in Vue. So you're still using Vue, just you're getting all this extra um, out of the box to make your life easier so you can develop faster um, and the aim of it is to use Vue in a better way so that you can do more faster.
0: Very good. And I think there's quite a big community around it, isn't there? I mean, who, who's using it? What are they, what are they using it for?
3: Um, there's so many companies using, using Vue. It's like if I was to even go into it, I couldn't even tell you how many. But I don't know, say, for example, Louis Vuitton, um, L'Oreal, uh, Microsoft. GitHub Stars page is actually uh, made using Nuxt and as, as a static site. Um, So there's a lot of companies uh, using Nuxt, mainly as well, because if you're going to use Vue, you need like, say, server side rendered or you want to build a static site. So Nuxt has got you covered. You don't have any extra configuration to do. You don't have to add anything in. It just works. Right. So. So, yeah, we have um, a massive uh, user base at the moment and it's It's really surprising. Um, I put out the Nuxt.js newsletter every month and every month I'm looking at the new sites that are using Nooks and it's kind of like wow, Decathlon, uh, this shop, this place. It's just it's it's incredible, like the amount. So yeah, it's cool.
0: That's impressive. Are they are they mainly using it for the server side rendering part, or is it the flexibility and you have to switch that some people like? Right?
3: Um, I don't know um, to be honest, but like server side rendering was what it was first built for, so that's where a lot of people started off using Nuxt, and server side rendering is still. The most popular use case for Nuxt at the moment, obviously, with the static sites, they've become a lot more popular now, especially with, um, you know, with the static hosting services that are free. Everyone wants to host for free because that's obviously, you know, <laughs> very cool, especially for developers. And um, we just released the full static, uh, literally a couple of months ago. So now we are officially full static. Whereas before we were we were static, but it still rendered the API calls on page load, and now we we can actually. We don't do that anymore. We render it at the build time, and those API calls are cached in a in a static folder, and then everything's just running from to that cache folder. So it's um. budget file somewhere. Yeah, so that means you're not calling your API, you're not exposing your API. So it's a bit of a change. So now we're really competing in the static sites market, whereas before we were we were doing good, but not as good as as we could have done.
0: Ah, that's interesting. So, so as well as having the server side rendering company, you're moving more towards the static, the, the purely static site thing as well.
3: Yeah. And I think that the world is going very close to like static sites is very, very, very popular at the moment. And Jamstack um, going into that kind of world at the moment is really, really, you know, it's, it's all the hype at the moment. And we're very much there because like we were always there. I mean, literally static site generation has been possible in Nuxt for a long time. Just now we've made it better. So for example, in the last uh, release, we're able to, because um, obviously with static sites, you got to rebuild your, your, your site, right? When you change your content, you have to rebuild, which a lot of people are like, oh, why do I have to rebuild it every time? I just changed uh, some content. Why do I have to rebuild the whole site? So we took that out and we basically, now you don't have to rebuild your whole site because the generate command is clever enough to know that you didn't actually change anything uh, code-wise. So it doesn't have to go through Webpack, therefore it doesn't have to rebuild, it just needs to change the content. And cause they're the, the cached, you know, in the static folder, those cached API calls basically. So it's just changing those, it's just changing. Um, so yeah, it makes it super fast. You don't have to rebuild the whole site, you're just rebuilding your content.
0: Okay. So so the stuff that you're gonna be releasing in this latest version that may or may not be released for CityJS, is that related to the static site stuff you're talking about there? Or is there other things in there that we're gonna be surprised by? Or?
3: um i'd say there's other things in there that you might be surprised about um um Nuxt three obviously like view three is is on the verge of being released as well and obviously we're playing around with, you know with view three and Nux three and just a lot more enhance- enhancements in general just just making nooks always trying to making Nux better that's that's you know our goal always so there's a lot of stuff even i don't know right now <laughs> and i guess the guys are like you know developing it figuring things out playing with things and as they kind of play with things they get more excited and they kind of put more things on it so they start off telling you one thing and they end up with something
0: else. okay <laughs> all right so if you can't tell us the the nut stuff that you're excited about can you tell us the the view stuff you're excited about and the level underneath that is going to be consumed or you can hold it a secret if you want it's entirely up to you but
3: um, no, like, I, to be honest, I'm more, more excited about the Nuxt stuff. I mean, the Vue stuff, it's been like a year talking about composition API. And obviously, it's very exciting. It's going to be released. It's going to be finally, finally, people are going to be like, yes, I've been wanting to use it. And that, that is it's very, very exciting in, in its own. Um, and with Nuxt, I think the excitement with Nuxt is that nobody knows what we're going to deliver. <laughs> I think that makes it even more exciting because it's like, what are they going to do now? And we've released a lot of stuff in the last couple of months. I don't know if you've been watching but we've literally like just been making so many improvements because um obviously Nuxt is open source and mm. you know people are working full-time and then they're like contributing to Nuxt. But since February, Nux got funded. So we were able to start a company. So we now have 10 full-time employees working on Nuxt. And that yeah, makes a difference. A change. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been able to work more. And when we say, oh, in a month's time, you know, we have three people working on it, we have three people full-time working on it, not Three people working part time, two hours a week on it, which which changes everything completely.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that changes in that you can get through quite significantly. Yeah. Oh, so it's going to be quite a big, uh, a big, a big release once it's there.
3: I think nux three is going to be very, very exciting. Now, I I don't know if it's going to be ready. Like you know, like always, um, I mean, Vue was going to be released months and months and months ago, and it's still not released. So, like always, um, things take time. But for sure. Um, yeah, it's like the whole code base has been really written in TypeScript, for example. So there's a lot of like improvements, which is going to make it easier for people to help maintain, to create more modules, to contribute, et cetera. And I think that's kind of exciting as well from a developer point of view.
0: Very good. Um, so Debbie, we've been doing a module of the month with people that we've been talking to. Um, I guess it won't be anything about your new release because you can't talk about it, but have you got a module of the month that you are happy to talk about with us? It can be yours or someone else's?
3: Yeah, definitely the content module. So I don't know if you heard about the content module. No,
0: no, I haven't.
3: So the content module is basically, um, it's kind of like a headless CMS, but Git-based. So we created this for our website mainly, like uh, because our docs um, and our our Nooks website used to have an API where it was like, you know, getting all the content from. And then we had like two repos and we were up, you know, basically working with two repos at a time. And one is in one thing, you change the menu here and you go to the other repo change at the documentation and it was a nightmare. So the content module is, was built for us to make our lives easier. And it's basically, it means you create a content folder, you put all your content in in there in Markdown, or you can use YAML or CSV or whatever you want. Um, And then you can add view components inside your Markdown as well. So this makes it extremely powerful because you've got like, you you can style things as well. You can add code blocks, Um, you can add so much. And then basically how we're generating things, if you change anything in the content folder, you're not regenerating the whole website, you're just regenerating the content. And we released that module um, so that the world can use it as well. And like, we've had like 57,000 downloads in three months. So it's not bad at all. (laughs) And uh, along with that module, we released the docs theme because obviously like the idea is to create documentation. So for all our modules, so now with this one, just literally putting in a command create docs theme, it's gonna like create your whole documentation for you. It's gonna give you everything out of the box. And then you can just like add your content and your docs are done. Um, and that's really- oh, so, that, so that
0: sits on top of the other content module you're talking yeah, about, Yeah, okay.
3: exactly. Uh, okay,
0: very interesting. Very interesting. Well, um, if I'll try and find the links myself. If I can't find them, I'll get them. For you will add them to the show notes.
3: Yeah, um, content.nuxjs.org. <laughs>
0: Lovely. Thank you very much. Um, anything else you'd like to say to our dear, um, our dear listeners before um, before we depart?
3: Um, I would just like to say, if you haven't already tried out Nuxt, uh, give it a try. Um, we're trying to constantly make it better and improve the learning experience. So if you do have any feedback on finding struggling or or something you don't understand, just let us know and we'll like you know continue to work on it and try and make your life better. So yeah, Nuxt is very exciting at the moment. So come on board and, and be excited with us.
0: Lovely. Thank you very much, Debbie. Thank you. That's all from our City.js Special Edition. Thank you very much for listening. Please keep an eye on the LNUG Twitter account um, and the website for details of our next event. We are still looking for speakers um, to speak remotely for our remote events. You can suggest either to speak yourself or you can suggest another speaker on the Elnug GitHub account at github.com slash speakers. Uh, We also welcome ideas for the podcast. If you'd like to hear us speak to someone from the London Node community on the podcast, you can do that at github.com slash lnock slash
3: podcasts and create an issue there. Thank you very much for listening and take care. Bye-bye.